<laughs> hey everybody, Liz here. Point of Origin might be a fledgling podcast, but as its editor, not to mention resident perfectionist, it's been killing me that the audio quality up until now hasn't been at its best. <laughs> Whether you've been listening from the beginning or to just a couple episodes along the way, you might have noticed this. It's been a little hit or miss. But after a lot of troubleshooting and a lot more pitching, I finally found the bug in our recording software. It apparently likes to ignore the very nice microphones we set as default in favor of the computer's built-in mic. Good news? Problems fixed. Bad news. Mel and I recorded today's and next week's episodes before any of that happened. In summation, there's less than stellar audio coming your way, but the pain will be brief, I promise. Thanks for sticking with us through this perilous time. We really appreciate it. Now, Mel's around here somewhere, reassuring our microphones that I didn't mean the things that I said and that it wasn't their fault. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm just excited to start airing episodes that don't make me look like an amateur editor in a junior high video club. With that, on behalf of myself and the microphone coddler, thanks for your understanding. Now how about we go talk about some Stargate? Hey everybody, and welcome to Point of Origin, episode 6, the podcast where we... What was that joke you said? It was perfect. <laughs> where we discover that uh, SGC's psych screenings aren't quite up to par. There you go. Uh, well, as unperusual, I'm actually introing today, so I'm Liz. And I'm Mel, and I insisted that she do it. <laughs> I'm not against it, I just it's not uncomfortable, it's just that moment of... Right. <laughs> My speaking. I do that. Oh, right. That's a thing I can do. Today's episode is called The First Commandment. I, sh I shouldn't call it that. It's titled. Every time I say it's called, it sounds weird to me. It's titled The First Commandment. I don't even ever, ever say that. I just say, this episode is... Yeah, well, I have to make things difficult. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's your modem, right? Yeah. Well, modem. Yeah. Your modem. modem. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a modem. I was, I was going to say modus operandi, and then I just got really lazy. I would say, like, let's just call it modem from now on, but honestly, I don't want to. Yeah, that's what they give me DSL jokes from back in the day. <laughs> oh, God, I have huge flashbacks. Anyway, great uh, segue for me to ask you, because uh, I asked you before, and you refused to answer until we started recording. What is the first commandment? Oh, yes. Well, you're going to love that, then. The SG-1 no, team. I, I want to know what the first commandment is. Oh, what the first? Yes. Like, actual first yes. commandment. I thought you about No. You don't I know was, the... No. I don't know jack shit about religion. I I was raised, quote-unquote, non-denominational, which means I walked into a church for, like, Haven't you ever seen a funeral, um, I... one Easter celebration, and I think a wedding. I've been to church, like, Oh, oh! I went to some Halloween thing outside of a church once. I'm filled with so much rage right now. <laughs> not envy, just rage. And just for that, I'm not even gonna tell oh, you. Yes, no, like, I mean no. that's like asking what IT stands for. Is that for. the one? Okay, is the first commandment? <laughs> is that the one? Is that the one about like don't don't kill? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thou shalt not kill. I don't know if that really applies to this episode, does it? Not I would have really. really thought False Idols would have been a better one. It would have. That's probably why there's a million sci-fi shows out there with an episode called False Idols, including Orville. But yeah, no, uh, that's what I killed about the first commandment. No, no? no? So what is it? I am the Lord thy God. So I was right! Yes! Why did you tell me I was wrong? Because I didn't want you to be right. 
no, it's um, it's literally the first like three are him going, "I'm Lord." By the way, I'm God. Do not think about other gods. Yeah, it's only me. And then he gets into the actual legit stuff. Okay, so the episode. Anyway, oh, <laughs> she's she's she's, <laughs> she's old and demented. She's chasing a mouse that doesn't exist. Oh, good. A so, flying mouse. Because she looked up in the air. Because I'm anticipating not being able to edit out all of the howls. Wow. We're not murdering the cat. I promise. She's just really old and literally demented. She literally thinks that she's chasing. I'm guessing mice or something that they don't exist, but they exist you, in her it's head. A flying mouse. Well, this will be a fun episode. <laughs> okay, the first command. The SG-1 team is sent after the SG-9 team that has failed to return. They find that SG-9's captain, having been treated like a god by the planetary inhabitants, is drunk with power and is tyrannizing them. Can they overcome him? This entire thing is written in incomplete sentences. Yeah, it's rough. And also, I think with a gun, they can. If this was like a high school student, the teacher would have, literally for three sentences, would have returned it graded with awk, awk, awk. Yeah, it's, three. it's not. Can they overcome I would, him? Can you use complete sentences? If we're grading synopsis. I would say this is the worst so far. It's a bit trivia. I'll never be able to find out, I'm sure. I'm sure nowhere has it ever been recorded who specifically writes these synopses. I don't think everything, anything's been as good as... Um, I'm sorry, Nerves of Steel. Nerves of Steel. Nerves of Steel is like... But that's not in here. That's on my movie. That's just the movie. Because, you know, Broken Divides is like, okay. Yeah, it was cool. fine. Emancipation yeah. was awful. Yeah. It's just interesting that it's... Can they overcome him? It's like, well, he's a human, not actually a god, so I'm thinking yeah, I think they just yes. need, like, a gun. Right? It's like, well, there's one of him. Granted, he has people fawning over him, but there's one of him. And a bunch of you. And these inhabitants are being, a quote-unquote, tyrannized. Which is a fun word. Yeah, so... I don't think they're gonna fight it much. Honestly, I... I <coughs> as many times as I've rewatched this show, not to mention this season, I don't remember this episode at all. Yeah, I, I, I can tell. I feel like because every time... That I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing First Commandment next week. I like, always respond which, like, which one's that, that one? <laughs> yeah, I'm like the one with the fiance. What? Because I, I don't it's got that one dude in it. I don't know his name. You okay, you've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. This episode, I, it should be more memorable of me because it quote has that one dude <laughs> in it. He's like he's like an actual fucking actor, like not a non sci fi Toronto actor kind of thing. This guy. Oh shit, that's right. He's yeah. next. I told you. Coming back to me now. <laughs> He did finger guns at my computer. I did finger guns at everything. I knew as soon as I showed you a picture of him. Yeah. He's, he's like re- an actual actor. They're all actual I actors. know. Remember, this show did not start on Sci-Fi Channel. They were not That's even true. pigeonholed at the time. Okay, but it was still filmed in Toronto, so most of the people in the background are okay. just Canadian actors. That's, again, that's everything today. I know. Cool. You know, looking up his name doesn't help me. Cool. He's like a recognizable actor, but name? looking up his name does not help me. What's his name? Uh, William Russ. Oh shit, you're right. That sounds extremely familiar, and yet not at all. Right? I so, thought I thought if I looked up his name, I'd be like, it's that guy. <laughs> but no. What do you mean, it's world? Oh yeah, he was on. That's where I know him from. That's where I know him from. Thank you. You're welcome. Because I was like, I don't know his name, but I know his face. Okay, so now that we went through all that, uh, I guess we're good to go. We're gonna go ahead and watch it. Watch it, and then come back and talk about it. Okay, well, we're back. Yes, we are. That's actually really good. It's, it's uh, kind of like Broken Divide, where I distinctly remember the parts I didn't like about it, and forgot that overall, this is another really good episode. It has amazing acting in it, with that one guy, <laughs> whose name I've already forgotten. Um, and also some really great just 
completely um, dialogueless voice acting. Not voice. Voice acting. Dialogue. 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 Face acting. So, um, really good acting, dialogue, and face acting. Uh, really good directing and really good writing. Like, there were, like, there's always convenience moments in in any of these. But in my top three, I did write it as the last thing was convenience. The first two was great dialogue, such useful analogy, and then such dramatic Mm -hmm. directing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the directing is so good. It's, um, it's actually, um, Dennis Berry again. So yeah, Dennis Jackson, Barry Enemy did Within. Uh, Enemy Within, and we loved his yeah, directing. Yeah, I have a lot Within. to say about that. Honestly, it makes, I feel like they purposely chose him to direct this because it has a lot of the same tone to it as Enemy Within. Well, yeah, it's also dealing with a false god. And with someone that's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Yeah, but I feel like they definitely chose to reuse him here on purpose. Like, they saw his work on Enemy Within and were like, hey, you, you really know how to how to portray this stuff. This is really good. So they brought him back. It's such a bummer that this is uh, the last we're going to see of the I know, directing. which is unfortunate, because I would say, like, we have it. Okay, with our um, with our tally sheet that we're going to do at the end, we've really been keeping more, I've at least I have, been keeping more track of the writers, because they're a little bit more predictable, um, and they're a little bit more, the episode really relies on them, on whether it's going to be awful. Directing can make something better or just, you know, compound yeah. something being worse. But a really badly written episode is not going to be saved by the directing. Whereas a really well written episode can be not as engaging if it's directed poorly, right. but you're still going to like that episode. So we've only been really keeping track of the writers on the tally thing. So, but I would honestly say from my memory, He's my favorite director we've had so far. Yeah, I feel like we should actually add that. It's weird to me just how good it is. But yeah, so uh, director is Dennis Barry for this. Honestly, I'm going to look him up after this. I'm going to yeah, see what I else like he's directed. Yeah, I like his stuff. He's got a really good hand. Yeah. And then the writer is Robert C. Cooper, who has not shown up yet, but you know Robert C. Cooper. I know him from everything. <laughs> Seriously, I uh, I always confuse his name for some reason with uh, Rocky and Sabanian. Why? They're nothing the same. They have R's. <laughs> That's all it takes for me, apparently. Uh, but no, he did, he wrote for this, he wrote for Stargate Atlantis, he wrote some of my favorite stuff uh, for Stargate Universe. I can hear that, just open it. Shh, I'm trying to be quiet. Just open them, just open the gummy bears. They don't open very well. Okay, I got it, I got it. Okay, okay. He's done some of my favorite stuff with all three shows. I, he was the guy, when I remember when we were first talking about doing this podcast, and I talked about how there was... Um, there's a, there was a, that one guy who, at the end of uh, SGU, after it got cancelled, he cleaned out his desk, and that was the first time in 17 years that he'd done that. That oh, was him. Because he's been there this he'd whole time. He'd been there time. from the beginning. That's upsetting. Yeah. There was obviously a ton of other guys who had been involved there, too, for the whole 17 years, but his... It's really encouraging that he was with them for 17 years, because um, he really proved himself an excellent writer in this episode. Oh, hell yeah. My favorite things about campiness and happy feel of SGA. Mm-hmm. All him. Robert C. Cooper. And the <laughs> best darker feels. Wow, so he's got the full gamut. He's got range. Yeah, he's got real range. Cause he's got like, the range, SGU, everyone always says it was a dark show. It was not a dark show. It just was it just darker. Was like camp, like it definitely SGA. wasn't. It wasn't. wasn't it was definitely a darker theme. But it wasn't like mayhem and gore and type stuff. Uh-huh. It still had the hopefulness of the human spirit kind of crap. All that good stuff that was Stargate, that was still there. So people who existed, in my opinion, and people who were responsible for getting cancelled, basically, were just um, 
small-minded and weren't true Stargate fans, in my opinion. Yeah, because they didn't respect that the man who had everything to do with the first and yeah. second shows. They, did, they didn't respect that. I don't think. Clearly, like, he started off strong with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have the entire episode, I was just double-checking it, one of the verses I actually did remember is uh, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will, will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And they actually, actually that entire thing is part of it. completely bastardized yeah. a million times over through the entire episode in such a great way. Mm-hmm. So you can like sense the feels. The writer of the episode clearly knew what he was doing. Oh yeah, I have to wonder what kind of uh, religious background he has. Honestly, probably some of the mine. Honestly, it feels like it. I mean, if you told me it was, I would believe you. But yes, yeah. yeah, so let's actually get into this episode because it's a great one. We have a lot of notes because there was a lot to talk about. So the episode actually starts out presumably on an alien planet. We just see woods and you see uh, some soldiers running away from uh, natives. I liked the leaf getup. Oh, the the uh, like the, head the, thing? Yeah, yeah, the headdresses. The where if you um, go down on the ground, it'll like completely cover yeah, you. Yeah, it's a cool. really good camouflage. Yeah, jungle camouflage. Yeah, mm-hmm. Which, I'm going to point out that the uh, people this was modeled off of, it's more jungly. Where they yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Instead kind of, of uh, deciduous woods. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't really know that much about it, but I feel like it's oh, definitely not. I thought it was cool because... I don't think it's a lot of maple trees. Uh, yeah, so the natives that are chasing after them, they've got the... Uh, mud hats. Oh, those, uh, yeah. The, the, the leaf headdresses and the mud hats. Oh, terrifying. they're like, compl- they look like, uh, they're obviously made out of mud, but like when I first, well... For the show, they're probably made out of paper mache. <laughs> but yeah, but it's is it um he's entirely covering your head made Helmets. out of mud helmet. Yeah, it completely covers your head and has like this really creepy like face carving oh, on the front, which makes sense. They were meant to be creepy. Oh yeah, and it's uh, based off of a, a tribe. Um, oh, Papua New Guinea. Yeah, well, in Papua New Guinea, but it's like a specific tribe in Papua New Guinea. Oh yeah. Um, in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. I didn't even know there were highlands in Papua New Guinea. Yeah. It's uh the Mudmen of the Wa- Wagi Valley. Yeah, that's a Mudmen. Wagi Valley. Wagi, yeah. Yeah, and oh. that's like the it's distinctly modeled after them. That's cool. I like it. They are episodes wild have you seen? looking helmets. Yeah. yeah how, many, how many episodes now? We've we've seen a distinct culture in each one. Oh, and they actually once again do a pretty decent job of actually hiring for the uh the the race. Yeah. There's some white people in the crowd. Tan, but, but yeah, there's plenty of bronze run. <laughs> That one chick but, stood out from the amount of bronze. Oh, yeah. But the one native that they actually talk to is actually... I, oh, shit. I had him up, too. I had him up a moment ago. Did you raise him up? Yes, I did. <laughs> my own two hands. Like Simba. <laughs> yeah, his name was, uh, is... Uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Zoth Haru. Oh. As you, yeah, you recognize him, right? Like He's been in everything. Yeah. He's been in tons of shit. Um, but he is, I mean, I'm assuming Indian. His name, yeah, Indian. Yeah. So, I don't really I mean, not Papua New Guinean, right, but, but <laughs> that's kind of a hard one to cast white. for. And it's like people like that Maori actor who I honestly can never remember his name. Oh my god, he was in Fear the Walking Dead, he's been in everything. He played the dad in The Whale Rider. Anyway, he's played everything. From Indian to Maori to, I think he played. It's a Hollywood's racist. <laughs> That's just the. If they're not hiring a white person, I'm right. vaguely satisfied. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how closely related uh, the peoples are of India and <laughs> I, I know they're different hemispheres, so I'm mm-hmm. thinking not that close. No. But I'll take what I can get. At least it's somewhere where they get, you think of sun and. and uh, At least it, this isn't the Avatar Last Airbender movie. Why did you even bring that up? Because. White people were yeah, Inuits. 
Oh god, it hurts. Okay, moving on. Alright, so they're getting chased by natives. Uh, one of them gets tranked. Um, yeah, and, with a blow dart. Yeah. Tranked. <laughs> <laughs> and falls. Uh, and his friend tries to go back to him, and he's like, no, go on without me. And uh, he gets ahead, and it looks like he gets through the gate, and the other guy gets left behind. Frakes gets left behind. Connor is the guy. Oh, Connor. Okay. Yeah. Always by notes, I was looking at so I was like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Roger Cross uh, from Dark Matter. But well, he's from a lot of other stuff. Um, as the guy gets left behind, uh, you see like the natives all swarm around him, and then surprise, surprise, some other soldiers come up and are clearly in charge of the natives. Like. One of them is distinctly wearing his uh, dog tag where you can see it. Like, yeah, they make a point subtle. of showing. The light is beyond glinting yeah. off. I mean, it's, I like that they make it obvious. Yeah, I mean, it could have just been other natives wearing their clothes. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, not so I like the fact that they made a point. Look, this is a soldier with dog tags, and he's clearly in charge. And he straight up shoots the guy that gets left oh, yeah. behind. Just, like, says something about, I'm disappointed in you or something. Oh, literally disappointed. I'm yeah. disappointed. It's like, of course you are, you crazy And then shit. just shoots him. It's well done with, with the cold-blooded feel. Oh, yeah. It did a great job. And, and that, uh, this is that guy. <laughs> that guy, William Russ. The one from uh, Boy Meets World. Completely different character. Oh, my God. He owns this episode. He is so good in this episode. One of the reasons, one, another one of the reasons why I'm so happy to show, I don't have any disdain for the sci-fi. Okay, today I do because the sci-fi channel doesn't even air sci-fi, anymore, no. in my opinion. Like, honestly, all the great shows... They only they have, like, them, two actual it. shows, right? They keep canceling Yeah, shows. I, I don't even think they have anything left, honestly. Even their shows, they can't—they canceled Warehouse 13, my favorite show at the time. They canceled it for Defiance, which I thought was okay, but it was like, because it needed a bigger budget. And then the show didn't make it. It made, like, another season after that. I was like, well, I'm glad that you canceled a love show for nothing. Right. Right. Anyway, Sci-Fi Channel used to stand for sci-fi. Yeah. People, of course, always kind of seem... It's, 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 it's a step up from, like, Disney Channel acting. But it's a step down from, like, main shit. Yeah. And a lot of... You tend to get pigeonholed. It's, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, because they're great actors, great everything yeah. involved in the sci-fi channel. That being said, it does have that feel to it that people mistakenly associate. So I'm really glad the show started off on Showtime. Yeah. Because it gave it that air of, quote-unquote, you know, street cred, greenness, yeah. whatever it is mm-hmm. that people needed. So that great acting, for example, you get to see it. More people... Yeah. I mean, even though it was a paid-for channel, it was still more out there in legitimacy mm-hmm. feel than it would have been a different Oh, time. yeah. Because later they do move to the sci-fi channel. Yeah, they do. It only takes like two seasons or something. Yeah, it was something like that. I think it had something to do with. Um, honestly, it probably gave them more accessibility. Yeah, it's so I don't like. I don't think. So. I would. I definitely think, at least back then, that Stargate's definitely more of a sci-fi show than a oh, Showtime show. Oh, hell yes, hell yes. But these guys were taking a blockbuster movie. Yeah. And pitching it to a channel so with more. So at budget. that point, yeah, it makes they had sense. That start with Showtime. And back then, sci-fi didn't have the bad name it has nowadays. Because nowadays, you, people are associating the worst of shit with it. <laughs> now it's sippy. And uh, people, I mean, these are people who think that uh, Star Trek, the 2009 Star Trek, and then Into Darkness are actually Star Trek. And it's like, they pierce the Klingon's foreheads with these guys. This isn't Star Trek. Uh, fuck off. So yeah, people who, be, people who think that that shit's good sci-fi are the reason why sippy exists yeah. in the state it is. But we have this episode, and for a time we'll have more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of good episodes to come. Um, yeah, so, Roger Cross makes it through, yeah. I think. It looks like he makes it through. Yeah, it's really hard to do air quotes see... when you can't <laughs> see me. Well, like, we see him, like, look at the gate as he, like, puts in the thing. Yeah. And then you see him look back at where his friend fell. And then it cuts away from him and goes to where. And then from a distance, you see that the gate's been opened. And all you can do is assume that it went through. Mm-hmm. And that's what the cult, uh, Jonas 
But Jonas does as well, the cult yeah. leader. So clearly they're going to come for me soon because someone's come through. Someone's gone through to SGC and told them. Yep. Yeah. And, like, sure enough, next scene cut, we see SG-1 coming through, which does not make sense to me because they're the first contact team. I know. Why would they be sent as a rescue team? That's really more for the Marines or yeah. or a diplomat yeah, group. Because if you lose contact, you're not going to think of good reasons. No. Even if it's just a, a minor thing, it's still just a, it's more like a danger Will Robinson moment. Yeah, than exactly. A, oh, let's go see what Yeah, happens. it doesn't make any sense. No. Although, I guess it does make a little bit of sense, because they do kind of um, lampshade why SG-1 went through in a little bit. Okay. Um, but, so they go through, and you and I were both exceptionally happy <laughs> it's to all, see. It's all in cast, because we thought it didn't happen until season two, but yeah. we do have his bad. <laughs> Daniel's back bandana. Here. It's here. Oh, I love his little bandana. It's he so pulls good. It off. It's such a good look for that him. That was the moment women across America realized that he wasn't just a sexy nerd. He's also just he a sexy dude. He wasn't a floppy haired nerd. <laughs> like, he was kind of cute, sexy, he's a nerd. But now it's like, oh shit. The only white guy to ever pull off a do rag. All right. He does. He well, pulls maybe, it off maybe so Stamos. well. Maybe pulls it off. Okay, yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> but but yeah, seriously, it was I don't know off. why he pulls that thing off so well, but he does, and we were so happy to Maybe because it. it looks like that. Like if you're in a desert kind of thing, like you know, the guys always pull off their shirts and make like a yeah, like a pseudo turban. It turbine. looks far more uh, industrial. It looks kind of like something a geek like him would do with yeah. like, with a bandana. Like, exactly. It looks like a do rag and more it's like not a I'm fashion tying my hair statement. Out it's it's um it's not the equivalent of a man bun. No. <laughs> it's it's got a purpose. Yes. He's wearing it for a reason. Yeah. And also, she does miss that because <laughs> he's not wearing his glasses like at all. Well, he's wearing, um, he's wearing shades of glasses. Yeah, but there's entire scenes where he's just not. He's already started. He's already started. It's wild. But yeah, so, they appear. The, the do-rag makes its first appearance. We're so happy. Um, They do a lot of lampshading, actually, because then they throw, oh, yeah. that, they throw out that thing we're talking about how uh, Abydos... Actually, Abydos is the weird, weird exception to the rule, because you would want people to have trees for, you know, shelter and so on and so forth. I'm like, way to point out the reason why you're totally not... It's not because you're in Vancouver. Not I do all. love that they mm. lampshade it in the nerdiest way possible because it's Daniel saying it. So he would talk about how cultures would settle near water and vegetation. It's such like I just as far as it goes, it's a yeah, it's well done. I love it because I distinctly remember these lessons in my history classes, and it's just so funny to hear him mimicking those words back in this episode. It's like, yeah, that's that's true. I can't argue with you there. Nope. I do love though that um. I do love there was a line more going along with the lampshading just to kind of um, give it a, a better base. But I do love this little throwaway line that Teal has where he talks about how um, the gold uh, centuries ago terraformed yep. a lot of planets to make it easier to settle humans that they had stolen there. That bugs me. <laughs> I, I don't want to go on too much of a thing about it considering how I don't remember enough of the rest of the shit, that mm-hmm. maybe there's, like, you know, later point with blah, blah. I'm pretty fucking sure. Like, you pointed out, it made sense that they, you know, could have been stolen technology, because that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. For that. Problem is, if you have terraforming technology, even if you have terraforming technology, you wouldn't leave some planets half done, like Abydos. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, and again, I, that, that, that can even be explained away with Raw being, you know, kind of like an a, aesthetics bitch. <laughs> an aesthetics bitch. But also, you know, because he wasn't part of the inner circle, mm-hmm. you know, he was shamed away kind of thing. Like he ran away, he was he was cut he off. He was feuding with the newbies. Yes, he didn't have as much uh, available to him. 
whatever. It makes kind of sense. It, but it doesn't really, if you think about it. Especially since they, they, they use the storyline a lot, and I don't know when they start using it in this, in this show. Because honestly, I thought the Durag was season two, so I don't know right. when they start. Apparently, I don't know concept of time. At some point, they're going to mention that the ancients. Mm-hmm. So the ancients. Were the ones responsible for the gates. Right, and that we're kind of like, humans are kind of second evolution, I guess. And in Stargate Atlantis, they point out that all the planets in the Pegasus galaxy that have humans on them were seeded by the ancients. And the only people who really conceivably could have had this terraforming technology, let's say they go, oh, we'll just steal it. Ancients are the only yeah. viable candidates. And they're known for seeding planets mm-hmm. because they create a second evolution of humans and they want to do it for a different reason than go, oh, we'll did. So it bugs me that if, they have to, if they're going to do a terraforming thing and they're going to have a storyline about that's why humans are here, they didn't use the logistical narrative correct thing it made that made sense. Well, here's actually, I was just thinking of this as you were talking. Here's another, um, honestly, really possible yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. The Golds lie about all of the things they've accomplished. Oh my god, they Taylor lied about terraforming. Yeah, and now ago. they explain why you never see the technology yeah, again. It's legends that were passed on. Like, of course everything. they lied. They, didn't just, mm-hmm. they, they steal everything, including shit. Yeah, yeah. They, that, <laughs> like I said, piss me off, because I have a perfectly valid argument, and they're like, your argument is not invalid, it just has no place here. That's what it is. Because my argument is Devil's still valid. advocate corner. <laughs> would explain why they never because yeah. you never see evidence no. of this technology like yeah it's not, it's not like they don't have a shit ton of technology yeah the technology that they show is destructive right well i'm not like they're you know they're, they're ships but the destructive technology the rigs <laughs> they just don't want to walk downstairs they're lazy they have a lot of metal on them <laughs> yeah that's, you know what they have really heavy armor i i wouldn't want to walk downstairs in that shit either yeah. no they completely lied they didn't terraform anything they just found yeah, that, that makes sense. maybe you're right maybe this is like they actually do cover that later for all i really can't remember but if they don't i'm kind of sad now there is an episode calling out the gold for all their shits <laughs> like the fact they didn't terraform like when um, i know they line. call out the gold for stealing the gates right but i i i doubt they talk about the terraforming yeah it just cracks me up it would have been a cool concept it was a fun line, though, to just to be, because it was just thrown out there, a line yeah. about terraforming. Two lines. There's a terraforming, and immediately following that, you know, Abido stands out. Yeah. Thing. It's like, wow, you guys explained away two big problem factors in less than 30 seconds. And well done. And it was <laughs> done in dialogue between yeah. all four of them. All four of them mm-hmm. had input in this conversation. Yeah. It wasn't one person it wasn't lecturing. Yeah. It was an exposition dump. It yeah. Was not an information dump. It's, you can always tell when a writer in this show knows so they're what doing. they're doing. When they have any exposition dumps happen between all four of them. Right. And exposition dumps are always going to have to... They have to happen like, in these kind of shows. Dumps, not specifically. But exposition is obviously a key to storytelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a TV show that, for example, every episode's on a new culture. On a new planet. Exactly. There's going to be a certain amount of... I'm, I'm, I, you know me. I hate exposition. Mm-hmm. One of the things I hated the most about um, Game of Thrones. Everyone's like, oh, it's natural. Like, they added, like, for example, like, sex position was a coined phrase. It's like, even though it's not natural, it's still just heaps of information. I this hated... was delicate, like a knit work project. I like how you hated Game of Thrones for well, the that was one exposition, of and I hated Game of Thrones for the gratuitous sex and yeah, it's HBO. Um, all the people I didn't give a shit about, and uh, the fact that I don't need to be stressed out every episode of a show I'm watching. <laughs> That, that, there's a reason I don't watch Walking Dead either. Well, I, I stopped watching it for a lot of reasons, mostly because it started really sucking. But <laughs> around season three, I started having a hard time tuning in every week. I wasn't going to cheat. I wasn't going to look up to see if my favorite character lived. But honestly, I spent most of them going... There, I had a wallet for a while that said, if Daryl dies, be right. 
I was, I am still, I love Norman Reedus and I love Daryl. I was, same yeah, as his introduction changed my life. Going way back, uh, this has been a problem for me since, like, middle school. I tried to read those Series of Unfortunate Event books. Oh, I couldn't do it. It was too painful. I couldn't even finish the first book because I was so exhausted. <laughs> it was exhausting being stressed out the whole time. I totally get them not wanting to be in suspense and pain, mm-hmm. and this is a great show for that. So, they have their terraforming thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, while they're, like, wandering around, I love that it took five seconds for Daniel to get separated from the group. Yeah. To the point where even Daniel's noticed he's not with the group anymore. It's so amazing. He's got a singular talent. Like, he's just wandering alone on his own. He's like, where is everyone? Yeah. And while he's wandering around, the guy we thought went through the gate pops up. No. All I could focus on the entire scene is just the fact that one of the leaves stuck, stuck on his, his mouth. And going, <laughs> and I was like, dude, just pull the leaf off. professionalism like, that he didn't no, know. It would be within character to just have, he had his hand free. He could have just done it like a swipe. No, the guy was determined to eat leaf. <laughs> Well, I mean, he had a hand free, but he also had Jack's gun up I to know, his head. I know. Okay, because the moment he grabs Daniel and pulls a gun on him, gun, gun on him, a second later, Jack is on him. I do like how Daniel goes, "Don't shoot!" And then Daniel's, <laughs> and, and then Jack goes, "Excellent advice." I know. And he takes the gun. Jack learned after Chulak. He's like, "I'm not fucking letting you out of my sight, you problem child." He's still wandering while yes. turning in a hapless circle, like. Guys, what? Still just turning. Daniel clearly never watched Barney growing up. Just thinking the same thing. Were you really? I had the uh, the B- VHS tape of the camp one. Uh, you had it on tape. Oh, I had I had I had two on tape. One of my uncles is a, is a dick, um, and he purposely made me stay up late one night to show me SNL's uh, skit sketch of them beating Barney up. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, just to traumatize me. I was really really little when that dickhead. So every time I, if he was around, I didn't watch Barney, and he was around a lot. So, yeah, I loved it. I didn't even know there was a live show. <laughs> but yeah, so that guy never ran through. He hid. Faked out, which actually yeah. is pretty good. No, no, it's show. really smart. Especially since he didn't have the thingy to uh, alert. That's oh, why. that's true, he that's didn't. That's why, why he, he couldn't go through. Go through. Yeah. No, no, he did. He absolutely did. Because they got his signal. Oh, shit, you're right. That's how they knew it was actually. That's no. how they knew to come through. Duh. Because Sorry. once yep. they realized yep. who it is, yep. Yep. Jack's like, hey, we got your signal yep. last night, yep. and you never came through. What the hell is yep. going yep. on? That's probably, I think, that's even better, because that way... <laughs> yeah, because then he doesn't come through, and they're like, oh. Yeah, that gets a team. Yeah, because imagine... That gets a team faster. If he came imagine through, if he came through, and it's this one guy, and it's just like a drone soldier trying to say what he's about to tell Jack, they might not have believed him. And then they're going to want to plan a response. Mm-hmm. When you, sometimes more information is worse. No, he, he less information in this case caused he made them the right to, choice because it made them ask questions and made them want to go get the information, which you can't do if you sit still. And there was no certain sense of alarm, quote unquote, like it was just the signal. There was no bullets yeah. or blow darts. So. No, it's really smart. Yeah, it's actually clever. But I this love, episode's clever. So um, Jack's like, "Hey, what the hell's going on?" And the guy's like, "Do I have permission to speak poorly about a commanding officer?" I love how uptight he is. What I love upright, is, I should say, he's upright. What I love about the acting here is after he says that, the camera pans Jack, and Jack's wearing like full sunglasses. He's got like the floppy brimmed hat on. Yeah, they've already you noticed see... the sun's a problem. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. Exactly. They've already noticed that the sun, you can't be under it for too long. But he's like, his face really covered. But just from what you can see of his jaw, you can see his jaw like tensing and untensing. Oh, yeah, you can tell that Jack's like, I'm not going to like what I hear. No, yeah, it's, it was 
it was great. It, it was, was really good. Not like he was unhappy acting. that somehow also conveyed with that acting that he wasn't unhappy that a sport was about to be a Yeah, it cover. wasn't that he was, he was upset that he this was, was going to have to happen. He wasn't happy yeah. about what he was going to be here. Exactly. It wasn't, oh, this guy's going to be talking about, about a commanding officer. Or, oh, I don't believe him. It was, oh, I'm not going to like yeah. this. Like, well, this is going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of great shit to say. <laughs> Jesus. I would, I would honestly argue that I enjoyed the Broken Divide episode. I would say this is a better episode. No, it is. It is better. It's not like it's broken bad. It's just, this is just a different quality. Broken just up. felt like a really good episode because of what what it followed. Yeah, right? No, this I was, mean, it was still a good episode, but it felt like an amazing episode because of what it followed. But this is just a good no, episode. It's, it's layered. It's like, because like earlier, before um he even wandered off, there's that scene where they're, again, just walking along, and... There's that cliche that I hate, hate, it's so overused, is, um, oh, somebody will yes. ask that person, they'll go, like, do you hear that? And that person will go, no, I don't hear anything. And then, then the first person will go, I know. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, great fancy way of saying it's quiet. But what Too is quiet. Sa- right? Oh, God. That's the only thing worse. And then Sam, though, is great, because Sam's not stupid, and this person writing this script is not a dork, who can, like, and the bad version of a dork, yeah. who, like, who just cannot think, I guess. Anyway, she goes, listen, no birds. No, it's really it's, good. Oh, no, no, it's not like that's not a, another way I've heard done before on a, you know, a show mm-hmm. or something, is somebody saying, listen, there's no birds, but she doesn't even say listen, she literally just goes, huh, no birds. And no, then her she, delivery yeah, is it's really great. good. And she's not, it's not, it's not exaggerated, it's not, it's not lingered on too breathy long. or whispery, no. it's just a comment that Teal even, they even include a 12 millisecond little bit where Teal kind of looks over at her thoughtfully, like, yeah. oh shit, that's interesting. That's how they figure out the problem with the sun? But they don't even like explicitly say, "Oh, that's why there's no birds around." You just they just leave it for you to infer. Oh, yeah. the sun is really damaging. Yeah, it'd probably make it hard for wildlife to be yeah. roaming around. It was pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, I love um uh the guy basically explains it's a briefing more yeah. or less. Yeah, and it's desperate. Briefings have to be exposition though, and they don't even take too long on it. So he basically no. says, "Hey, uh, the sun is really fucked up, and it's making people crazy." It made my commanding officer crazy. He is posing as a god. Well, the only fair thing about that scene is Roger Cross has a lot of, like, for anything to, like, emphasize something, but he does he uses a lot of wide eyes. Yeah. He's, these days, does it nicely. He does it, you know, in, in character or but whatever, he was, whatever. he was learning he the was, balance. I kept saying, like, oh, wide eyes, <laughs> wide eyes. Like, he's known for this, in the sense that if you know mm-hmm. him, you'll recognize that. But this was like, okay, so this is where the, this began. I yeah. can see that now. It was just kind of cool for me seeing... Echo back in time of an actor I really mm-hmm. like in the beginning of that. But yeah, uh, he explains that uh, the commanders were just gone crazy. And I think this is when it comes out that um, Sam has history with him. Yeah, as subtle as you because, can possibly do that kind of storyline, they did a good job yeah, with that. Yeah, they do too. a good job with it. Because yeah. that's when it basically comes Don't down to like Jack being like, mm. oh yeah, yeah. Jack tells Sam, you should take Connor, is that what you said his name was? Yeah, Connor. Connor back through the gate. And Sam just goes, no. <laughs> like, just tells him, no. And then I think even Connor says, no, I should stay. Yeah, which my, my favorite line of the episode is Jack just looks like, because <laughs> two people in less than three minutes go completely, you know, um, go two against his in orders. in the military. Yeah. It's, not like, yeah. it's yeah. not like Daniel yeah. telling him no. Yeah, refuse an order. And he just looks down his jacket for a moment, like, what? And then goes, it does, I, I, actually, I wrote down the quote, right? Literally, <laughs> say Colonel anywhere on me. say Colonel anywhere on my uniform? <laughs> it's so good. But it's so good because like this is a Jack response. Like he's put out that these people are not respond, are not um, 
listening to him, but he's also not being a dickhead, like, I'm your Russell commanding all, yeah. He's not Kurt Russell, Russell would have been like, I gave you an order or yeah, something. Jackson. Whereas Jackson's being like, I could have sworn I'm in charge here. Yeah, this, is like, this is like his one warning kind of Yeah. Moment. Something I just realized, though, it's even another thing about how brilliant this episode is. <laughs> we talk about how the you know bad guy is cult-like. Like, mm-hmm. He has that magnetism oh, yeah. that inspires serious reaction. I just realized, two people defying the direct order from their superior, it's the same kind of feeling. It's obviously an antithesis of what he wants. Yeah. It's not adoration, but it's he has he inspires determination. Yeah. And this is just determination against him. Yep. I love that. Extra little moment there, I just realized like, that's so well layered. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but Sam's argument is basically like, hey, I have a history with him. If anyone can figure out how to deal with him, I can. And Jack tries to point out, like, no, your history is why you need to go back. I love that close-up because all you can focus on is how much eye makeup she's wearing. Oh god. She's never yeah. worn eye makeup this, before in this. This is where I was talking about. Hey, you remember Sam's girl? You ever since girl? Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, she used to date this guy, Wink yeah. Wink. From now on, every time I watch an episode that it becomes apparent, ugh, immediately that's going to be a hey, she's a girl episode. I'm also going to focus on the eye makeup, because the level of eye makeup will tell me overdone. if it's going to be an emancipation level she's a girl oh, episode, God. or if it's going to be an ex-boyfriend level, because it depends. It's a spectrum of makeup I'm now Because <laughs> it's like the extra detail. She's not just a girl, but she's also a girl that oh, has sex. Oh, dear. Oh no, oh I don't believe that. But it's just pointing out, it's like, hmm, that's a, okay. I make him glad that that's important on a rescue mission. <laughs> but yeah, but that, I would I would say this is probably why SG-1 of all teams got sent through, is because I could even see Sam, like, quietly arguing with him and like, hey, uh, we don't know what's going on with Jonas. If there's something wrong, I want to be there. Oh yeah, I can see off-screen though. Yeah, some sort of, like, off-screen thing. Like, maybe Cameron Jack was... Episode. No, he's not. Because this this episode takes place entirely yeah, off it's, planet. It's almost like a, it's like the opposite of a bottle. Episode. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh god, yeah. There's so many settings in this. Yeah. It's wild. Um, but yeah, so Jack basically just like, okay, fine. I guess we're all going then. And he makes some like, uh, we're off to see the lizard joke comment, which Damn is it. so apt. That amazing analogy was yeah. Start to finish. They don't just mm-hmm. it's not just one time oh. metaphor. It's a three or four time thing. Ascribing Jonas to the role of the wizard is so incredibly apt. It's ridiculous. Okay, so I have a note here that says fucking dramatic stare at camera. Oh god, Which that. Is definitely has to do with Jonas, but I don't remember the scene. Okay. Oh no, I remember. It's, it's that cool okay. No, no, okay. I remember what it is now. So his, um, his little second in command or whatever. Um, his little bitch. Yeah, his little bitch. He sounds like a bitch too. His little bitch comes up and says, hey, SG-1's come through. And then, like, like we knew you, they would. It's yeah. Like, like, you knew SG-1 was going to come through? I don't... Well, it speaks a lot to Jonas's ego later. Um, but, and then he does, like, this really pointed where he, like, grabs the dog tags from his throat and, like, rips them off. Like, he's divorcing himself from SGC. It's a very obvious maneuver. But this guy's all about dramatics, so it's fine. Yeah. But it's so good because then, like, right after he rips it off, like, he turns and looks directly at the camera. Like, the, the angle thing. Yeah. Like, technically this is the wall. second time that this director yeah. has had he has a, a crazy guy look directly at the camera. Yeah. He did it in Enemy Within with Kowalski as well. I, I love it. I love it. I love that almost breaking the fourth wall uh, narrative. I freaking love it. Because it's, it's just the bad like guy this smolder. It's really, the, it was. It's the bad That's guy exactly smolder. what it is. It's a smolder. And they zoom in really close on his face and he stares directly at the camera. The it's up so really good. Cool, and you know that was a commercial break. Oh, hell yeah, of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. 
But I just like to, because you were pointing out too, the best part about that bad guy smolder is it follows a really cool cinematography decision mm-hmm. with the, you can tell the camera's being walked up to him. I don't know if in this one it is. I know later on when Sam's they in do, the They room do twice. They do okay. it. This, that one was I didn't notice shaky. with this one. That one was more warped. Oh, yeah. Like her perspective of him okay. changing. This one was like, you could, it was very cool pan up to his face. I think I was making notes about the dog tags when yeah. I was the like, zoom in happens. It's, it's one thing to like have a scene him taking the dog tags, looking at them for a moment, and then yanking them off. But this was like so drawn Incredibly out. Incredibly dramatic. Like, look at my precious. Okay, now I'm going to rip them off. But wait. Do that firm jerk. Yeah. Oh god. This guy <laughs> was made for drama. I love him. This is this is the the I think this is he's the dad in Boy Meets World. I think. I don't remember. I honestly, I just I just saw it's like on it's wild because he's so good in this and it's just like phenomenal. He he sells this episode so well. It's kind of like when you know the kind of guy that Brian Cranston is before you've even heard of Breaking Bad and then you see him as Walter White and you go what the fuck. Two very different things. I got something even worse for you. You want to know uh, one of the first things he ever did? Voice of a monster in Power Rangers. Really? Uh-huh. I think he was the Lizardinator? God, those things. It's it's from season one. Oh, he was God, season that's... Which is why it's so great. That I think the, I have the, um, definitions of great. The recent movie, Power Ranger movie that came out, he was Zordon. Yeah, I know that much. Yeah. That makes more sense now. That's why. Because cute. It's a callback. Yeah. Alright. I mean, that's, that's the, the next scene is them, you know, setting up their camp, and they're setting up their alert, and then they test the alert, <laughs> and all I could think was, okay, you're in a quiet forest, now everyone knows where you all are. All I could think Good is they job. stole that alarm off of a car. Right? It's not like that's a, a car it's, alarm. It sounded like a shitty Buick one. Yes. <laughs> a 95 Buick. That was distinctly <laughs> a car alarm. They had someone just off camera <laughs> jar their car. You know that's exactly how they filmed that oh, scene. Oh god, I really hope you're wrong. <laughs> I know, I hope I'm right. I refuse to do any research on it because if, if, if there is even a slight chance that you're right, I don't want to know. <gasps> oh my god, it would be so good. I'd be so That's like when somebody told me that they fake the paper shredder noise, the background noise of paper shredders. It's people shredding cabbage. And I was like, those <laughs> things don't go together. Why is that your whatever? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's happening, and meanwhile, uh, Daniel's, like, eating one of those, uh, MREs, and he makes an, a wonderful little callback to the movie. He callback episode. I know. Well, I think, if, uh, Robert C. Cooper seems to be willing to make callbacks to the movie. Hey, I'm down. It's great, because he makes a callback Leave to no the movie stone where he says, uh, this tastes like chicken, and it's so great because he sounds dissatisfied by that. And Carter just goes, Why? But why, oh, why is that, that a bad? problem? Yeah, is that bad? And he's like, this is mac and cheese. <laughs> and all I can think is, Daniel, you were fighting a lizard, a lizard dinosaur that ate chased gooey like chicken. Meat, gooey meat from a dinosaur chicken. <laughs> no, what I liked was that when he was reaching for it, it was gooey. As soon as he was holding oh, it, it was dry. Hand, yeah. It was clearly actually chicken. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's how it works. Sure, why not? Right. Yeah, so it's like, I think you can handle mac and cheese that tastes like chicken. Right. And they, uh, and that's the scene where um, Connor starts talking about like the punishment that he does. Oh yeah, yeah, the leaving, uh, leaving me out in the sun. Yeah, which if they last for seven days, then they're you know, quote unquote you know allowed but to come back. Blind. But they're blind. Yeah, but they're blind. And all I can point out there is first off, yeah, you point out that they you know they didn't say one way or the other. But unless you're giving these guys water, they're gonna die in two to three days. Not to mention you're they're in extreme sun, so you're gonna have to give them a shit ton of water. Yeah. Like, it's the thing, you can live without food for a while, you cannot live without water for more than two to three days. 
Oh, there was another thing. Um, because he was like leading up to talking. He was talking about like the whole how all of this went down. How they showed up. Everyone mistook them for gods. And then Jonas was like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe we'll be safer if we let them think that." And he talks about how one of the kids went missing, and he went off into the forest for two days and came back with the kid, but he was like never the same after mm-hmm. that. But there was—I don't remember if this was now or back when they first met him. But he actually made like another throwaway line that I love. The guy that got killed mm-hmm. uh, when they were running away was their team's uh, anthropologist. Yeah. I love they find his body. Oh god, yeah. Real quick though, I love in a throwaway line that they've confirmed it seems like every team has an anthropologist. The way they say it, no, it it completely makes sense because what's great about the anthropology is you've got like this dual almost diplomat plus archaeology aspect. So you've got like the ancient culture, but then you've also got the interpersonal. Yeah. It's a really good combination to have. And so I think it's really ingenious that Hammond looked at Daniel and went Okay, okay, I'm not going to find someone who has three degrees every time. Also, not a civilian, probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't see him looking around to find civilians. No. I mean, we know there is a civilian team. But, right. Um, but later. Yeah. But yeah, I like the the inference that every team has an anthropologist. It's not overt enough that like if you didn't see one in a later team, you'd mm-hmm. be like, well, they said. But Well, it also really ties in nicely with Broca, which is interesting because it wasn't about the same people at all or even directed or anything. But, like, Broca also has, like, um, when Daniel's talking with Hammond, mm-hmm. how Hammond basically says, yeah, you're right, we're going to have to focus on cultures and stuff here. Like, Daniel tries to make, like, the argument about, oh, we should really be, you know, inter- interacting with cultures, blah, 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 and Hammond's like, yeah, you're right. And Daniel was so ready for a fight. Yeah. But Hammond was clearly on the same wavelength, which it makes sense that then an episode later we find out every team got an anthropologist on it. It honestly really, like, it really works. I, I, yeah, I believe it. I love it. I love the smooth... These go really nicely with each other. Oh, yeah? Oh, but did you want to complain about the bones? Oh, I was already <laughs> passed. It was just the fact that I, I wrote down, uh, <laughs> nope, not how burnt bodies look. Like, yeah, maybe God have a crematorium. Like, he has literally carbonized chunks okay, of bone and Basically, the guy that Jonas shot... Um, they burned him at the end. As he's leaving, he tells the natives to burn the body. And then after they find Connor, um, they come across where that body was just burned on the ground like, like they never even moved him yeah. there's a couple of really thin brittle pieces of bone and, a big and then the dog tag and the dog tags which i'm gonna point out that would have melted well not maybe maybe not actually because they're made out of that really resilient whatever whatever but i do know if it melted the body if, if away be, at the very least they'd be exceptionally charred they, they were clean uh, yeah they were clean they'd be thinned and charred and maybe legible yeah. no it's it, it's it was like okay they're kind of they kind of imply that maybe it's because of the bad sun or whatever but it's like but that doesn't Change You're, if seven if people can alive their bodies can handle seven days worth of that sun radiation everything then that body mm-hmm. on fire from torches is definitely not going to somehow be affected. No, no, <laughs> that's not how fire works. If that's one of the most egregious right? things that happens that's in this a- episode, I'm fine. Right? Um, but then uh, basically, so they they settle down, they start taking turns for a watch, and at one point during the night, the camp gets attacked, and because uh, they let everyone know where they were by testing that fucking yeah. arm. Now there's a great part where Jack's waking everyone up, and he wakes up Daniel, and Daniel's got his gloves over his like, eyes. It's nighttime, dude. <laughs> but it was great, because he's, like, the worst way. Like, Jack barely touches Teal, and Teal's up and ready. He has to, like, shove at Daniel to get Daniel. Yep. And then he basically tells Daniel, stay out of our way. <laughs> I love how much... <laughs> 
He's just like their little pet, and he's, it's so good. Oh, but yeah. he's already basically their little mascot. Like, just stay down, keep your head down, stay out of the way. Yeah. We'll, the adults will deal with it. But they they successfully fight off the, yeah, the, the natives. They're very, it's, it's almost like you can tell how obligatory that attack is. Oh, yeah. Was. Because they're like, oh, cool, we scared them off. And then they realize he honors them. I like how they finally see, uh, Teal finally has a staff in this episode, and you finally get to see him use it. Yeah. Because he scares them off. Also, you're wrong. He did fire it and broke the divide as well. Oh, shit, Again, to scare off the... You're right. I was focused I focus mostly on that giant gun he uses. No, he only used that the second time. Yeah, no, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. That, that overshadowed the yeah. statue. So, never mind. Not the first time. It's fine. But now it's a regular occurrence. It's first time it's a regular occurrence. Oh, yeah. I love him using that. That's a great... I love that staff. Like, the Zat guns are better... But the right. staff is great. Yeah. The staff is such a teal yeah. weapon. The writers even kind of regret the deaths. I told you that, right? They regret the deaths. Like, they don't make sense as a weapon. Why would they even have that staff up as if they had this other no. star superior thing? And all this Well, all the, the staffs are really uh, a ceremonial thing. Yeah, but they were way too much for combat. I love the staff weapon. It's dual. You know, if it runs out of power, it's still a great stick. Yeah, it's great. I do love Yeah, and he uses it as a staff a lot, too. The old version of a multi-purpose tool. Mm-hmm. So then, like, the next morning... They're all going in the direction that they know the camp is supposed to be. Um, and there's a great little quiet moment between Sam and Daniel. The nerd bond reestablished. Well, they're doing, what they're doing, their BFF, like, tell me about your terrible ex. Like, yeah, it's so like, great, because Daniel's literally, like, he's not, like, doing, like, the rubbernecking at a, at a, uh, crime scene. At an accident. Well, I mean, that relationship a, probably was a good idea. Right. He's not doing any of that. Like, he sounds like he's genuinely concerned like, he about know, a bad experience right. in her life. But I like that he also posits it in a way that you can tell that he's also just trying to get details of this guy he's about to face. Yeah. Like, you kind of want to know what you're getting into. But he clearly, like, cares oh, about her. No, so it's, it's such a good exchange. But there's a great, oh god, the directing in this. Again, we just freaking love the writing and the directing in this is so hand-in-hand perfect. Because, yeah. like, they're having this conversation. And Sam makes some comment about how she's always... Had a thing for the lunatic fringe. Great way and of not saying bad boy. And the moment she says the lunatic fringe, the camera goes from where it has been distinctly focused on the pair of Sam and Daniel, like in the front. Because it's like, it, I think Teal's in the front, yeah, Teal's in front and then and Sam and Jack's Daniel in the center, through. and Jack's at the back, which honestly is a perfect yeah, setup for the, them going along. Yep, there's that middle. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, and also, Sam's there in case they get through the middle of the front of the back mm-hmm. to protect Daniel. Exactly, exactly. But, um, it goes from focusing on them to when she says lunatic fringe, the camera firmly directs to Jack. <laughs> His little face of like, like this well. little like this little silent commentary on this is the lunatic fringe in our group. Because that's the same look you see a million times from guys who hear our chick going, I I'm like, a like bad boy. Bad you know, guys are always like, God damn it. Just that face. But it tells you that she said something that de- definitely was not bad boy. Yeah. But he definitely heard it. What he it still was. knows what it means. Yeah. But I also love that they even push it a little bit further with the cough, cough. But it's still, like, all through subtle directing. Because, like, a moment later, um, uh, they're talking about how, yeah, he, he was in Black Ops too long. That always messes up the guy. And Daniel, who distinctly knows how long Jack has been in Black Ops, Makes some comment about, like, that it always does something to a guy. Right. And actually stops and looks back over his shoulder yeah, at Jack. But he lowers his voice when he says it to Sam at this point. It still hasn't occurred to her. Yeah. She doesn't look back and then quiet. And she's just like, I don't Daniel care. knows. Like, he's like, oh, shoot. I don't want Jack to be like, stop talking shit about me. <laughs> I do like how he looks like furtively. Yeah. It's such good directing. Oh, I love it. 
I guess like the acting, the directing, and the writing all go so perfectly hand in hand in this episode. Yeah. It's insane. I know. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, and such, honestly, it's a great transition scene too for what comes up next because it's just it gets the de- some more details out. It doesn't naturally. Again, it's so beautiful. Oh the yeah. Concept of getting information. The out way naturally, they get exposition about her and Jonas's like you get like an idea about their relationship, and then when she actually later on like talks with Jonas, you're like, oh, this is how their relationship was. And that, the way that's framed, the way that's shot, and the way that's acted is amazing, too. But we'll yeah. get there in a minute. But meanwhile, they actually finally get to the camp. And, um, well, okay, well, first Jack goes off to, like, investigate. Well, I love, because while Jack's gone off to investigate, Daniel starts giving, like, Bible corner. <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I repressed that. <laughs> anyway. Okay. They find out that, like, they get to this camp, and they see that, like, Jonas is making all these natives, like, work themselves to the bone building a temple for him yeah and you're seeing people like collapsing under the sun getting beat for falling over yeah so jack goes off on his own to get like a closer look to get a better idea of how to um deal with this safely and while they're there um alone sam sees some guy start getting beat up and sam once again this is the third time that she's seen a native get mistreated, and been like, I refuse to stand by. She would not do well in Star Trek. She would be fired so fast. Oh, shit. Yeah, I just realized how right you are, man. No, she, she's that, there's always the young idealistic ensign in Star Trek. Any show? Name a show. There's one. And they're always the ones who, like, have that reaction to which the captain goes the firm hand, prime directive mm-hmm. moment, where it's like, no, we can't interfere. It's all the voice of wisdom <laughs> and everything. I just realized you're right, but the problem is, she would, her character would be established as not an idealistic ensign, so she would be so fired. Yes, she would. She'd be Roe. Oh, God. Yep, less a there we go. But yeah, so she basically swans off. She's like, I ain't- Swans off. I ain't waiting around. I'm gonna go stop this from happening. And she just stomps off. And Daniel, like, watches her go and is like, I feel like we should have tried to stop her. Teal just turns and looks at him and goes, we would have failed. <laughs> beautiful, right? <laughs> like, it's just so beautifully established. Just like, nope. That wasn't gonna happen. It makes me think of that scene from Umbrella Academy when uh Five is in the room with Allison and Klaus, and he's like, I'm gonna go get some coffee. He's clearly going to drive. And then Klaus gets up from the table that he's been sitting at, and he's like, I feel like we should stop him, but I also kind of want to see what happens. Right? <laughs> it's that kind of moment. I just love Teal'c saying we would have failed. Like, that is so interesting. I think there's nothing more respectful, because I don't, I don't need a man to acknowledge mm-hmm. crap, right? But in a situation where that's is flattering. It's misogyn- I'm going to sound misogynistic when I'm saying this, but it's just extra awesome when a guy admits his defeat to a woman without feeling like it's infringing on his masculinity. It's even better with a big, beefy dude. It makes sense that it would be Teal, though. Right? It just and also the fact sense. that Daniel didn't even, like, he just watched her go, and then afterwards was like, I feel like we should have done something. <laughs> and he only said that because he's like, man, Jack's going to yell at me right. later. Teal's <laughs> just like, nope, no apologies. And sure enough, when Jack comes back, a little while later after he's scouting, he, like, looks at the group and goes, where's Sam? And then right at that moment, you see Sam getting captured by the, uh, the second-in-command for Jonas down, yeah. down below. She and he only just, in broad daylight goes, yeah. Down. And he just looks at Daniel and goes, what happened? And Daniel literally just gestures yeah, down at Sam. Lowers the binoculars and just hand. <laughs> he doesn't even try and say anything. He just gestures down at Sam. And Jack isn't even looking at him, and he just goes, never mind. <laughs> I just love that one extra beat of surprise when he's looking at the group, assessing there's someone missing, and then realizing it's not it's Daniel. It's not Daniel! <laughs> like, 
Huh. Oh, then you'll behave. That being said, it's still one of my problems, children, so goddamn. I just love it. I will never get over just the, just the hand gesture. He's just like, Dad! Oh, it's such a good moment. I yeah. love it. But she's captured, and they're like, oh no, we're worried about this. We actually have her talk yeah, okay. to Jonas. We get a whole lot of him presenting basically the story Tom Connor gave us, but from his point of view. And he's clearly insane. He's got like freaking harem, harem women just like sitting around him. Got like Jonestown. Oh, it had yeah. such a Jonestown feel like, on purpose. It was good. And this guy is so good. He's got like that, that, Twitch. um, oh yeah, he's got a little bit of a twitch, but he's got that magnetism and that just slight mania to him. Yeah. It's so Something good. that a weak personality would. <laughs> You could see how a weak personality would latch on to that. Mm -hmm. To the vulnerable masses, he would sound great. And there's a great bit where um, she basically calls him out for, you're not supposed to pose as a god. And as soon as she says pose as a god, his reaction is so fast and so vehement that it's amazing. He goes, he says, I hate that word. Don't use that word. And she's like, what? And he's like, posing. I'm not posing. Yeah. Which is so... Like, it's so good, because once again, like, he's saying a lot without explicitly saying it. It reflects really well back to that conversation she was having with Dan, where she told him that he needed control. Yeah. Like, one of the reasons why she mm -hmm. broke up with him is that he had problems. He needed control, and he wanted it too much. It, it kind of is implied that he was, if not abusive, was going to become oh, so. Oh, yeah. So she now ended things before it got It's that really far. good, because as, like, it. this scene between them goes on, where, like, he's basically call calling on their old relationship. Yeah, blah, like a creeper. Blah. Like a creeper does. Oh, yeah. What's great is that through his acting, through her acting, the way they're reacting to each other, and just, like, little subtle things in his dialogue, they're perfectly portraying an abusive relationship. Because she's self-possessed enough yeah, exactly. to know she was, like, she realized she was in an abusive yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. and went, I have to get out. She's definitely still been affected by it, right. by the way that he's able to talk right. her out of the gun. Yeah. Because she pulls the gun on him and is like, I'm taking you back, blah, blah, blah. And, like, the gaslighting he does and while he's talking to her and like the way he's like almost but not quite talking yeah. down to her as he reaches out to get the gun from her oh my god this is like like i was saying it's such a well portrayed no it's great it's so obvious that they had a really bad relationship yeah. and it's like well this is why she broke up with him and the way she was talking about him and then later to him the relationship started off with two people on equal footing with equal temperaments and egos and so on, and, and then massively sliding. And, the, and the imbalance eventually occurred. It became what it, what it is now, which so on and so forth. Yeah. But it's that <laughs> when she was talking, I was like, oh, it's that same very controlled tone. So even when she's faltering, you can still see those elements of how she's unhappy that oh this, this is working uh, against her mm -hmm. because she remembers ending it. She remembers the beginning. She remembers all the moments where she had strength and she's not feeling those, that yeah. strength right then. And it's really well portrayed. Oh, it's so good. But then they corner the guy, um, union guy who apparently is allowed to wander off whenever they want in the middle of work. And there's this weird great shot between Jack's legs where his legs are slightly spread and yeah, you see the, the native boy like between them for some reason. It's so weird. It's, it's unnecessary for men and women, although I do like it when it's done on men because it's done on women way too much. Like yeah. I was telling you when we were watching it, one of my favorite shot scenes in Life on Mars is uh, a shot of Sam, like, from below, so many Sams. With, <laughs> with his legs, like, spread, like, up through the legs, and, like, going up that into cool this, beam. like, rising. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good yeah. shot. UK version, by the way. Well, yeah. But yeah, cool okay. V. Use the V frame. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so chain. they're basically trying to get this guy over to their side so they have a way in. 
Um, and there's there's a great part where like someone finally recognizes Taylor's Jafar, and like and the music changes at that moment. From there on out, too, it goes like really creepy. Yeah, it's actually kind of well done. But it's funny because like Daniel's like, oh, no, 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 he's a friend, he's a friend. Like here, smile. It's just like just this like grimace, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of look at him for a minute and go, we'll work on that. <laughs> anyway. Right, so, uh, they get the guy to start listening to him, um, and he talks about how, like, they haven't seen any Jaffa, but there's stories about them, so it's clear the gold haven't been here in a long time. I just found it surprising to me, though, that they waited until this episode, five episodes, before they finally, um, have a culture that recognizes the Jaffa on the planet. Like, I get it, it's not that it's incorrect or anything, or, or even illogical, I just think it's interesting. I mean, realistically speaking... They've only been to two planets where they didn't recognize it. Yeah, but that just seems like a lot. <laughs> in the sense that it was established in the first episode to be like a big fucking deal. And then, again, it's not that it's illogical. Like, the reasons why they haven't recognized it's fine. Well, I think mm-hmm. it's also very distinct that, like, they didn't recognize Jafar here. But again, the gold haven't been here in a right. long time. So there's definitely something to the fact that, like, these gold, like, laid claim to these places and just assumed that they yeah. still had them. Yes, like some of them were important enough for them to constantly visit, you yeah. know, so on, so And others didn't somewhere. have resources exactly. that were worth it. Again, it, nothing about it doesn't make sense. I just found it an interesting note that no, it took until this planet before finally somebody realized. We've had two distinct moments of them not having a problem with him. The only reason why the other people had a problem with him in the last episode is because he beat him up. Yeah, <laughs> that was so good. Uh, but yeah, so like he, in, in these stories about the Jaffa, there's also stories about, I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically something about how the Gawulf could turn the sky orange. Yeah. And then when the sky was orange, the sun was safe. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> then he's talking about how Jonas says he can make the sky turn orange again. He promised if they build the temple, he will make the sky turn orange again, and that will protect all of them. It's totally nonsense. And he says that Jonas will do this because of a... Uh, a device that, like, they kind of, you know, make it seem like a, a spiritual kind of device, but he says, he he makes it clear that there's a device involved. Right. And a between, relic to some, a yeah, device there we to go. others. And from this vague description he gives, Teal'c actually recognizes it, like, the sound of it. And I love this moment, because he, like, pulls out a little notebook, one of those little flip, yeah. <laughs> the, the little tiny notebooks, and then just starts, like, sketching something out. Does this really bad sketch, and I'm just like, wow, they clearly don't value art lessons on shoe life. It's literally like a really sad looking rectangle, and then half of a circle drawn on top. It's amazing. I was like, wow. Guys, don't play Pictionary with Teal'c. Teal'c and Jack. Teal'c and Jack. Oh, God. I feel like they would mind meld. I feel like they'd work. Teal'c would draw a circle, and Jack would be like, Simpson. Uh, but yeah, so he, he shows that to the kid, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's the device he has. I like how the guy's like, oh yeah, that, that looks familiar, based off that drawing ability. Maybe he's just, like, scared of Teal'c still, and he's like, yeah, sure. No matter uh-huh. what he saw, he would uh-huh. be like, yeah, that's, that's, it. It. that's it, yep. Yeah, it looks like a giraffe, yeah. <laughs> but Teal'c basically has, um, stories about, he's, he knows that this is basically, like, a gold shielding device, that, um... One will interact with another across a, an expanse, and they'll form a shield over something, and it'll protect from, like, UV and, like, radiation and stuff. Well, does he have a second one? The guy's like, he, he only showed us one. And they're like, we don't think Jonas knows that there's a second one. And they figure out um, from where the guy says Jonas is, they get a rough idea about where they think the other one would have to be for it to work. 
So they're like on while they're on their way to go find the new device. Right. There's this great bit where like Teal's is teaching yeah. this native kid about like false gods mm-hmm. uh, using power to get yep. their way, yep. and like he's clearly talking about his experience with the god oh, yeah. but it clearly applies to Jonas as well. And what I love is that he's like being very patient, explaining this to the the kid, and like the kid is eating it up. Oh, he's yeah. eating it up. He's loving this attention. He's loving all of the lessons that Teal's is teaching him. Mm-hmm. Like, he got over how scary Teal's was very fast. Oh, it was the trivia page that I found, because there was only that one bit of trivia on yeah. TV. Um, it, was, it was not really trivia, because it was, like, pretty obvious. It was, this was an episode that helped establish the long-running dialogue in the show of Teal's versus like, false gods. Well, the comparison of religion versus false gods. Like, the implementation yeah. of religion versus where religion should be limited, yeah. kind mm-hmm. of. And where false idols come about, false gods. Yeah, sorry. it was a, it was great. I loved the whole exchange. He, was, he just spoke very quietly to him, and yeah. just very. And it wasn't preachy. Yeah, it was so. Because he's just got that really good voice. So then they find the second device. Uh, then Jack on his own. Um, so because it's basically Teal'c and Daniel and the kid have gone yep. to find this device. Because yep. Teal'c says, "Oh, I can probably get it working." Um, and Jack has gone back to try and break Connor out. And they don't even bring a hood no. to put over him. But I love that Jack's method of trying to get this guy out is my, uh, what I like to refer to as my capture the flag maneuver. Just pretend. It's fine. Shh. I'm, I'm captured. I only use the work once. But Jack tries and fails on his capture the flag maneuver and gets captured. Yeah, because, again, did not do that well. <laughs> the only thing I can think that Jack was going for here was A, he was going for the whole, we look like we're supposed to be leaving, so we're right. Like, we're, prison transfer. Which it works a lot. Yeah, prisoner transfer. But, like, he was alone, so that was his best bet. And right. also, I feel like he was pretty much expecting it caught anyway. And um, Jonas decides to use Jack as um, a threat against Sam to make Sam get his device working. Yeah, I like that. Because he tried to convince Sam to do it before, and Sam's like, I don't even know if I can. What do you? Why would I want to do yeah. this for you? And, like, argue oh, with him the whole time. I guess for you too, you'll be here as my promise. Oh, God. And Sam's like, no. <laughs> but then he tried, he's like, well, I'm gonna kill Jack. And Sam's like, wait! Fine, I'll try and freaking fix it. And she thinks she has it fixed. Oh, no, she does. She turns it on, and you, like, they turn it on inside, which is great because right. Jack's like, wait, you're gonna turn it on in here? Like, he's worried it's gonna, like, blow up and, like, cave in on them. Right, that's meant there's a roof blocking it. Sky. Yeah, but he's like, oh, cool, so it's working, so I'm going to do my big presentation yeah. to, like, cement that I am their my god. My big Jonestown moment. Yeah, he's going to do his big come drink the Kool-Aid, um, everyone convert if you haven't yet, blah, 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 that whole thing. In the meantime, like, there's a scene cut, and in the meantime, he's gotten all of these natives to take down the Stargate and lay it down horizontal on the ground. Yeah, I like how they gloss over that, and I'm like, that must have been a bitch. I know! But I love it anyway. I don't care because I love the visual it creates because he opens up the gate to SGC. And because it's laying on the ground, like, you get that one, like, bloom of, yeah, like, the water uh, yeah, the splash hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like a freaking pool on the ground in front of them. And, like, he's even got, like, a little um, flat pillar walking into it. So it's like jumping in from, like, a diving board yeah. into a pool. That's a good little it's visual. It's a wonderful visual. I love it. Yeah. Good. I'm sad we don't do it again because it's really great because it is water. It's a water effect, so it's really great that we're actually seeing it horizontal. I would love to see um, them actually like see like the translation of motion, like someone jumps in like that and then yeah. comes out flying like that from a gate. That would be amazing. The only downside to it is it does establish the uh, different visual effects budget. 
it's definitely not one of the best of no. their puddles. But I still love CGI it. CGI anyway. It's still <laughs> terrific, but just years later I'm looking back it's going, God damn it. <laughs> I think the ripple effect is still good, but oh, no, just no, the, the puddle itself. Great. It was just because it was, um, it was not that, you know, they didn't put a ton of effort into it. Yeah. It was only be off like a couple of mm-hmm. seconds, and it was the backdrop. The backdrop was just so different. It kind of highlighted. Yeah. It highlighted mm-hmm. how the difference. It wasn't like it looked bad, but I just remember, I was watching that going, this is really cool, but yeah. I can tell. <laughs> but basically, he's doing this whole, like, crazy cult leader sermon to these gathered natives, and Connor and Jack are tied up near him, and Sam's with him with a device. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying, like, he says that he's their god, he's going to throw these demons into the underworld. He throws out some more chopped up Isaiah. Yeah. Which cracked me up. Oh, there was a great part part earlier when he was talking to Sam alone, where he actually pulls out a battered Bible and, like, leafs through it. Like it's a manual. And makes it really obvious that he's literally just pulling stuff from this and using it. Which explains a lot of the Isaiah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so he's, like, doing this whole thing where he's like, I am your god, I'm going to send these demons to the underworld. Mm -hmm. And, like, he insinuates that sending them through the gate is sending them to the underworld. And Sam's like, what are you doing? Like, you're gonna kill them. He's like, no, I'm sending them home. And she's like, Without the code, you're going to kill them if you send them there. The the, the, the lens will, will be the iris will be closed. And he's like, and he the doesn't other even, part of the eye. He doesn't even answer her like verbally. He just kind of does like the shrug, like, oh well. <laughs> Again, oh. more really good acting from oh, him. Yeah. It's a great little crazy guy shrug. Like it's this like, guy oh. knows when to like play up like the verbose and when to just have these quiet little completely wordless like gestures, like it's these little like shrugs or these little yes, that crazy little jerk where he's just like whatever he plays like an innocent evil kind of guy. Just, like, he just goes, oh, it's yeah. like that. It was like that. It was mm-hmm. great. Just this really magnetic yeah. personality that's going on. It's, it's, it's that little shit that just makes you go, man, I don't like you. You're creepy in a good way. Like it's mm-hmm. great acting. Mm-hmm. No, it's wonderful. You feel like you should have acted. And the the this is where I was talking about at the very beginning of this episode. I was talking about how wonderfully um the narrative of this whole episode wraps up how well it's planned out Mm -hmm. basically daniel and the native boy come back yeah teal stays with the device daniel and the native boy come back and the native boy was given teal's staff weapon and actually uses it to like distract oh not yet distract Distract so that so that jack and connor don't get tossed into the gate and killed and like he holds it on jonas Mm -hmm. like it's great that you have the native rebelling against their, their yep. quote-unquote god. It's beautiful mirroring. It's a wonderful, like, I love that they gave him, I love they gave him the staff. It's really important. And, like, he starts, like, talking about how this guy's a liar and he's, he's you know, a false god. A false god and blah, blah, blah. He starts to talk. And then when Jonas tries to be like, no, I'm going to, you know, turn the sky orange, I'm going to protect you, blah, blah, blah. It's full crazy. And he even, like, turns on the machine. And, like, the, the orange goes up, and then does nothing. Yep. And Jonas is like, turns to Sam, like, why isn't it working? She's like, I don't know. Like, I, I told you. you. She's, like, she's like, bitch, I worked on it for 15 minutes. What are you fucking, she's I like, I told you I would, I don't know if I'd be able to fix it. I did what I could. I don't know why it's not working. Then, Daniel times this perfectly, comes out from the woods, and is like, it's not magic, it's not a superpower of his, it's just technology. And I, we can make it work. Yeah. And then he has, um... He's the best guy to do that scene, by the way. Yeah. Because it's like, he's had practice that Exactly. Thing. No, I love... Daniel's so good in his position on the team. When they let him do his job. I love it. This is a great... This is... Mm. Okay. He, he dresses in the same we way have he dresses to keep, the people in Abijos. We have to keep an eye on Robert Sakuba showing up, because he clearly knows how to write Daniel. Okay. He knows how to write Daniel. 
He knows how to put Daniel in well, the scene he needs he's, to be in. He's written a fuck ton of the episodes. I'm excited. I'm looking yeah. forward to his episodes. I'm going to be like, it's going to be the opposite of looking for that one lady. Like, when we're like, God, for her, we're going to be like, yes! But yeah, like you are saying, Daniel is the perfect person to give this speech. He knows exactly how to do it. He did it in the movie. Yeah, he's done he's already done this speech. He's done it before. He knows how to talk to these people. He knows exactly how to communicate with these people who are in this position. And he's like, look, it's not magic. It is a, a piece of technology. It is a device. We can all make it work. And then he signals to um, the native boy to fire up the staff into the air like a flare. Which is really cool. And then the camera cuts over to Teal'c on the other side of the forest or whatever. He seizes the flare and goes, ah, time to turn my device on. And he turns it on and it rises up into the air as well and meets with the other one and forms a big ol' orange shield over the entire, like, living habitation mm -hmm. these people live in. And suddenly the sky is better. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh my god. And it's so good how instantaneous they flip on Jonas. Like, Jonas is like, no, like, no, this can't be blah, blah, blah. And he's clearly like, god damn it, because he's lost all his power. Oh, yeah, of and course. And Sam, Sam talks about how much gone. he needs power. And, like, he's flipping out, and these people just converge on him. Yeah. They literally, like, swarm him. It's amazing. And they swarm him and lift him up over them. And toss him into the Stargate that he called the Underworld. Yeah. They cast their false god into the Underworld. It's good shit. It's so good. Very symbolic. And honestly, it, a lot of people I've known, they all, it wasn't just that they lost faith, it was that they felt kind of betrayed mm -hmm. by it. So they got really pissed. And so they're, all of them, well, militant atheists. Well, these people That instant change, like you can really mm -hmm. see it the moment yeah. they lose it. So that was really great. It reflected it's really so well good. with them. It's like, it's not, that's not over dramatic, it's not overacted, it's literally not to mention the fact that he did more than just read a book at them, he tortured them and did everything else Yeah. so I can see that instant change being that instant, because mm -hmm. it, it's like a switch flips, literally Um. and I love that as he after, after he gets thrown into the Stargate, it actually pans back to Sam for a minute, and you see her just sort of slightly silent, grim face yeah, it's like, like she's just like, well oh. well she, the face, she's like I'm not happy about this, because she wanted to bring him back alive, right so she's not happy about this, but she can't really see any, any other way it could have gone. So poetic justice yeah. moment. She but I love how it closes on her face. Yeah. And then we have, like, the little wrap-up scene as they're all going back home. Like, oh, yeah, uh, well, the goat will probably ain't going to come back here. Should we tell him to bury the gate? Nah, it's fine. And Daniel's like, can we come back? And they're like, don't you think we've done enough damage? And it's like, Daniel didn't do any damage. Right. Daniel helped like Actually, a physical friend. If anyone should come back, it should be somebody to undo some of that Yeah, damage. exactly. We know what kind of cultural crap was done to them. Send the civilians. Yeah, there we go. Send some actual anthropologists. Send Team Civilian. I don't think it exists yet. Oh, I think it's maybe. like season three when Team Civilian. Yeah, it was. I remember it being a thing because yeah. I was like, we need less military, mm -hmm. you know, or at the very least some equal. Something. But yeah, I was like, but you can definitely tell Daniel's like disappointed that he wouldn't be able to come back here. He clearly was like interested in this place. But I was like, come on, let him go back. Uh, and then the last moment that happens is where I was like, okay, you're not allowed to make a decision. You are Jack in this scene. Yeah, no, I was. Because at the very end, um, Jack has, like, grabbed Jonas's Bible or whatever, and he's, like, leaping through it a little bit. And he makes, I don't remember exactly what leads up to it, but he says something about how, like, there's a lot of stuff in this, and he misquoted a lot of, I don't even know, he, he misused a lot of it or whatever. But I know one thing that's in here that's, like, important, like, the big one. 
and uh, he says uh, the first commandment. Yeah. And Sam immediately, Sam clearly like went to church as a kid. She immediately echoes sure back the worshiping other yeah. than God. And then Jack just kind of gives her this blank look and goes, "Oh, I guess not the first one." <laughs> and he's like, "I'm talking about the don't murder." <laughs> For most people who know the commandments when they're facing somebody who doesn't, it's kind of just instinctive to uh, screw with them. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a Jack. Um, I'm not. Ooh, ooh. I'm not quite sure. I think no, I might be a Jack too. No, no? you're Daniel. Okay, that's fair. Because I was kind of going, I don't know which one I am here. I, I kind of associate with both of them this episode. They're both pretty reasonable. I also just love Daniel just gesturing down at Sam like, I <laughs> I've seen you do that, so yeah, you're more Daniel than ever. Okay, fair enough. Also because it makes me think of the, the, the class scene. You know, I feel like we should go after him, but I also kind of just want to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm with Daniel again. You know, unless things really change up, although they might in the later seasons, but unless things really change up, I think we already know what our final answer is going to be for this. I think I've been Jack once so far. <laughs> I just have a knowing look on my face. I, I know. Get... Shut up. I, I I was that nerd about mythologies and histories and all that stuff. I was. <clears throat> I was more of one, if you can imagine. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to wind up being Daniel, but we have to at least pretend that we're going to be, like, surprised by the results, right? Yeah, there you go. It can happen. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to give it a thumbs up. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100% thumbs up. Like say. I said, um, I would, oh, I'm not sure between, because, like, the Pilot and Evil Within are all really good, but I almost want to say this is my favorite episode. No, it's just it's mine. Yeah, I think it is. Because like the Pilot and Evil Within are really good openers, but there's always pilots are never going to be like the best episodes. They always have so much going on, which I get it. Yeah, but can detract. I feel like there was much less for us to complain about in this episode than we have in any oh, yeah. other episode. So yeah, I think right now this is my favorite <laughs> episode so far. It was really good. Yeah, it was terrific. I'm, you've heard me this entire time. Yeah, I'm good. I just thought I had to like hold my hand away from the remote to stop pausing. Like, I yeah, you pause. paused so many times. Well, it's because we kept talking over it as we were rewinding. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a great episode. Oh, it was phenomenal. Um, I'll get used to it. Next week. God, shut up. Hey, it's not as bad as the Mesopotamia. No, nothing is as bad as that. <laughs> um, nobody on the team died, although Jack almost did. Yeah. Oh, God. Never mind. We have to go back to the recap for a minute because, um, <laughs> When Jonah started losing his shit, when he, when, uh, when the native boy came out with the staff, staff mm-hmm. Sam took advantage of that moment to kick Jonah's right in the face. Mm. It was so good. Oh, she kicked his gun. No, she kicked him in the face. No, she kicked his wrist. She kicked him in the face. All right, well, we'll, we'll check that one again. Maybe she kicked wrist. his wrist into his face, and it was a good kick, too. Yeah. That was clearly, like, a trained kick. I was so, I was like, yes! And then, of course, he backhands her, because he's, oh, like, yeah, abusive. Cause, cause that's, 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 but it was still so satisfying to see her. As again. women, we're primed, we're primed and ready at all times for a backhand. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just had to talk about that, because I love that. But, yeah, uh, so, nobody died. Well, except for, yeah, Frakes. Frakes? The guy who died in the very beginning. Uh, I don't remember his name. Also, Jonas died. What I mean is nobody on the main team. Oh yeah, died. of course not. All right, we're gonna have we're gonna have a death soon. Yeah. We're also gonna have to argue about what qualifies as a death soon. Until that. Moment, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. So yeah, thumbs up uh, from both oh, yeah. of us. Oh yeah, big thumbs up, double thumbs up. Next week is going to be episode six, brief candle. Yay! Good news is it may be atrocious, <laughs> but it's not. There's gonna be plenty for us to talk about. Yeah, it's not like. 
it's not, not emancipation. Ground. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the depressing death. It's not great. It's not gonna make me happy. That's gonna be our quality from now on. We're gonna be like, this isn't a great episode, but it's no emancipation. It's not depressing. Death. I don't feel like that during Hathor. What are we watching Hathor? I'd be like, well, I'm we have to depressed. watch Hathor now, but it's not emancipation. I'm still gonna be depressed during that one. It's a yeah, depressingly yeah. bad episode. So yeah, brief candles, not depressingly bad. But yeah, so next week is going to be uh, Brief Candle. It's not going to be as fun as this one was, but we'll still have lots to talk about. It's just going to be of a different variety. I remember the last time we watched it, we literally talked to each other the entire time. We didn't want to I turn don't it off. I think we heard any we, dialogue. We didn't, didn't want to say we skipped it, but we definitely had no interest in watching it, so we did not pay attention. I don't remember any Eric dialogue. Eric was pissed because he was actually trying to watch it. Yes! He hadn't seen it before, and he's like, guys, shut up. And we're just like, no. <laughs> not for this one. We are sparing you. And trust me, you're not missing anything. So, yeah, um, if you want to get a hold of us, <laughs> after this yeah anyway why <laughs> get a hold of us if you want to get a hold of us you can find me on twitter at it's mel not Liz, and Liz at it's Liz not mel or our podcast twitter point of origin pc you can also email us at point of origin cast at gmail.com or you can write something on the side of a tissue box and throw it through the nearest wormhole you can find <laughs> links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes and if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us somehow again <laughs> on our recent <laughs> incursion through the iris. <laughs> and until next time. Bye.